Today's show is sponsored by Supreme Whiskey Stones, an LEO business specializing in the best whiskey accessories to protect and serve your favorite pours. From whiskey stones to custom laser-etched glassware, they take pride in what they do and love making their customers happy. Check them out on Instagram at Supreme Whiskey Stones, at SupremeWhiskeyStones.com, or through the various military and first responder organizations they sponsor. Your hair is, you need a haircut. I'm getting one tomorrow, shit, son. Oh, yeah, you are getting one tomorrow. I am. You kind of look like a mop. Trust me, I know. It's curl. You curl. Second shower of the day, I get on a lot of curl. The humidity really winds it up. Everyone, my name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker, and together we make the dads drinking bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. Hi. Hi. It's pleasant to be with you today. Hey, I hadn't used that one yet. You know, it's, it's tough some days. It's not. Anytime we can get out at night and hang out. Spend a couple hours with each other. It's a good time. For sure. It is even better when some good pours are involved. Agreed wholeheartedly. And you went above and beyond with this one. There was a a bottle share going on in Nashville that you jumped on before I could even see it. Somebody was splitting up a Michter's 20 and they were doing it pretty much for face value. And Zeke, you just swept right in, made sure we got this. So I got to say thank you very much for being on top of it. I mean, dude, you got to have a ringer. You got to have a ringer. I am very happy to give you credit where credit is due. And you <laughs> went above and beyond on this one. Hey, you know, we got to give the people some uh, some fun, some hype. some. Is it worth it? You is know? it worth it? Let me work it. Put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Yeah, John, you got a lot of rhythm going right there. It's your flipping with the wind, yet. It's like you're reading it off a cue card. You're doing worse than in the movie with Austin Powers. Worse. (laughs) (laughs) Which is hard. That was kind of on purpose. Uh Oh. Well, you had me fooled. Sometimes I have to do it dad style, you know, because of dad's drinking bourbon. John. Dad jokes. You do you. I always do me. And you're stuck with it. But this is the first time Michter's has released their 20 years since November of 2016. So it was actually gone for two years, came back in late 2018. It's 114.2 proof, 57.1 ABV, retails for about $700. And it is a 20-year bourbon. Wow, I didn't realize that retail was that high. I thought it was like 500 Yeah, you just kind of almost choked on that, that whiskey you were sipping. <laughs> yeah, side pour all, almost became side jug. Yeah, anytime Zeke has a side pour that is uh, going to come up instead of go down, I know I said something shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously secondary is much more higher than MSRP was and I don't think any store that landed one of these had any problem selling it. No, and I think it's about 2K secondary, right? I think so. I've seen them in 
been so busy lately, unless it's one of the few bottles I'm really chasing down or watching, the thumb just keeps moving up and I keep looking at other things. Unless it starts with a will and ends with an illet, it's it's not something Zeke's going after. Hey, even, even then, those are getting few and far between now. I'm down to the, the, the nitty gritty. That's what we're about to get down to. So before we get into this, just want to say congrats to Michter's last week, which will now be two weeks ago. They just opened up their Fort Nelson uh, distillery in Main Street in Louisville. So they are now on Whiskey Row in Louisville. It's kind of funny because if you think about a lot of the stuff that's going on in the bourbon world, places like Bardstown are kind of like the factory and Louisville is the nice pretty storefront where everything is now in Whiskey Row. But uh, all the grinding is happening at the other distilleries. This is Michter's second facility they put $7 million into the building at, at the Fort Nelson site. So big congrats to them for getting in Louisville, getting on Main Street, getting on Whiskey Row. No, and that whole area, I mean, is just really leading to a, a solid revitalization and you know, very similar to what Nashville's seen for the past five-plus years here now. And it's nice to see you know the, the, the other city just north of us getting some love and growing and, and folks really reinvigorating and revitalizing that whole section of town that used to be the tits of the town. Well, not to get into a rabbit hole, but I've always been a big proponent that Louisville did Nashville better before Nashville. I mean, they, you know, the way 4th Street Live is and having that open area you can walk around. We talk about this all the time in Nashville. I don't know why Broadway is even open. You know, Beale Street in Memphis, they close off on the weekend. I think it's coming. I don't know. My, my dig on Louisville always was the town was just too spread out. Like You can't bar hop. You have to car hop. Well, it depends on where you want to go. Like, if you go to Bardstown Road, you're fine kind of walking. If you go to the Highlands, there you know, there's certain areas. But it's like here. If you go to East Nashville... You're not going to bar hop and go from East Nashville to Midtown. I mean, it's it's one of those type deals. Well, I mean, just the link is like the Uber ride. I don't know. I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Louisville. I actually almost moved there from Lexington when I graduated before you know I, I ended up getting the job in radio. I almost moved to Louisville to do sales. I'm really happy I did. You look good at the Ford dealership. I it wasn't car sales. <laughs> But I, I would look good in a Ford truck, though. <laughs> Thankfully, I have one. So let's get into the tasting notes on this. I'm, I'm sure people want us to just shut up and get to it because this is a very exciting 20-year pour from Michter's. What do you got, Zeke? Nose-wise, um, wow. It really impressed me, to be honest. I felt like it was roses and marshmallows in a cellar. You can kind of picture that. Flashes of cotton candy. At times, it was just super sweet and sugary, but not like candy corn. I mean, it. I really thought about it forever, and I couldn't really come up with what type of corn would have that much sugar and sweetness to it, but not show youth and off-putting. But it was, and I, I still have yet to really find a word. At times, I thought about you know kettle corn or something like that, but it's in that range of. You can tell it's from the corn, but the sugars, you know, dominate the corn profile to where it's just really enjoyable. Another thing I really picked up a lot was, you know, kind of circling back to like the roses and marshmallows in a cellar. 
it just seemed that there was a, a light must or fog or just the aging component was always there in a secondary fashion. Every time I got those various sweet notes and, and other floral components, I also picked up just enough to say, hey, don't forget about Big Brother back here behind, you know, whatever hit first. And just, I am definitely an aged product. Uh, what I did find was really, you know, impressive as well, uh, was at least nose-wise for sure, there was not a hint of oak. And for a cash strength product, not a hint of astringency. And I thought that was pretty neat. Palette-wise, not what I got from the nose, sadly. <laughs> as soon as it hit my tongue, the age and the oak hit pretty hard. I felt like it, it seemed to be somewhat of a thin pour with subsequent taste. Still pretty much the same. It didn't hit as hard, but I think that's just because the palate was becoming more used to it. I did get a little bit of a singe in the mid to the back, and, and that seemed to also build with subsequent, uh, you know, just honestly like small tastings here out of the blend. Finish-wise, because I really think this was a, a, a definitely three-tier pour. I don't do finish a whole lot, but this one had it. It was wet oak to me. You know, it wasn't dry, which I kind of attribute to like the aged scotches and things. This was more of like when you pop a, an old Dusty or something, and if you're lucky enough to get the cork out, when you lick the cork. Like I said, just really wet, aged oak kind of feel. Also, seemed to think, what, what I really thought of a lot was um, if you have a cigar on a hot summer day, and you're kind of dehydrated, or you know, you've been outside sweating, and your mouth's dry, and just that feeling of the, the tobacco uh, and, and all that goes in with that, and then having a dry mouth. And then obviously as you smoke it, the cigar's gonna dry you out even worse. That was really kind of a, a, a memory I went to from you know summer experiences. Wait, so you said it's not dry, but you have memories of dry stuff. No, no, like when I first tasted it, as the tobacco dries your mouth out and you taste that tobacco so much more, like, like you can't get that tobacco resin off the back of your tongue because your mouth's so dry in the summer. That's where the tobacco came in. Wow. Sorry. I, know, I see what you're saying, but no, it was literally like... You're trying, giving me mixed signals. It's kind of it like smoking, I feel like every was, girl that you've ever been with. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> but it, smoking a cigar with a dry mouth and just how much it's going to part you and, and that those resins just leach so much inside of your mouth, that was really where the tobacco came in for me. Every now and then I caught a little flash, and once that tobacco kind of cleared, I did get somewhat of a circling back to the nose. Just a light marshmallow hints of sugars and things of that nature, but it was very much down the road once that tobacco kind of cleared out and allowed it to be noticed. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, the nose for me, it moved a lot. As we were sitting here nosing it, and you know, you and I both spend a good good amount of time on the nose. At first, I got like a marshmallow creme brulee with mint, hint of botanicals, caramel, and honey. As it was open for a little bit, I got a little more mint. This is not a good note, but maybe it's just a fat person note, and you need to be a, a fat guy to understand this. It just smelled sweet and creamy, and. I know that's not a nosing note, but when you smell it, you're like, wow, this is going to be really creamy. Then when I tasted it, 
I said, wow, this is not as creepy no, as I thought it was, was going to be in the nose. It was super Jekyll and Hyde to me. Yeah. But keep, keep rolling. Sorry. I just, yeah. No, no, no. It's a fair point. Um, I got some caramel, some maple syrup, but not like a thick maple syrup. It was, it was definitely the generic store brand maple syrup over a quality maple syrup that you might get. Yeah, one of these days people are going to taste syrup and then they'll know what you're talking about. Yeah. And <laughs> I like that poll you did this week too. Uh, there was oak in there. It certainly wasn't over oaked, but the oak was there. It was surprising for a 20 year about that. I got slight mint. Moved to a little bit of a rye tingle and heat, and I know that's a little bit of a finish too. It wasn't, and that's the burn I think you were getting to. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely could notice the rye, the way it was tingling and and really going there. The finish, leather and oak with a rye tingle. It lingers nicely, but not off-putting. I said this one is definitely a cuddler, so Zeke would have kicked it out of the bed. <laughs> It is a, an interesting pour, and you know, not often that. I, I mean, you, you probably just finish more than I do, but not much, not too often. We we have all three segments and and get diversity in those. Um, and I like the finish because I, you know, if you're going to spend seven hundred bucks on a bottle, right? If you're going to spend seven hundred bucks on a bottle, I don't want it to be one of those things where. You have it, and then it's gone. Like, I want it to stick around with you. It's the difference between crushing something in 15 minutes and actually sipping on something for, like, a half an hour, you know, talking with your friends, having a cigar. There's a difference between what's something that you're going to kind of put down relatively quickly and then what's something you're going to sit and enjoy. That's where finish plays into it for me. I just go with if I get one or not. Yeah. Like to me, mo- to me, most things are just a continuation of the palate, and so if there's no diversity, there's no point in bringing it up. But this one had difference. I mean, I think more on that cigar note that I got, um, definitely something light, like a Connecticut cigar. You know, one of those light brown ones, more tobacco than kind of that, uh, you know, like a the dark leather. You know, those macanudos or whatever those things are called. But that's definitely where I, I got for a finish was just smoking a cigar with a dry mouth. So final verdict, yay, nay, are you a bottle, are you a buy, bar? Well, before all that, I I did want to allow for some, you know, speculation here on sourcing it all. I I can't even go, I have no idea. And granted, you know, we don't have a bottle here in front of us since this is a sample. Um, And I was trying to do the math and think about it. And you've been there when I've popped some old Heaven Hills. I mean, I don't know how many people would have been making juice back then. The only, especially if it was in Kentucky, it's got to be Beam. It's got to be Heaven Hill. It's not Four Roses. No, by any means. So it's got to be Beam, Heaven Hill, or Buffalo Trace. But especially on that nose, and just you know, so much of the the marshmallow presence. I don't know. I, I really felt like. If you told me it was Heaven Hill, I definitely wouldn't ever disagree with it. Another thing I kind of thought about was, because the older ones, you know, were definitely some Stitzeweller, I think, up until at least, you know, 2014. But the oak is so much more prominent on any of the old Stitzeweller juice that I've had that was 20 plus. I, I don't I don't think any way you could link it akin to that. And then kind of the diversity in profiles, you know, you never know where those barrels originally might have been. Uh, recently, when we had the Heaven Hill 27, at the Whiskey House, we also pulled out the Evan Williams 23 from a year or two back. 
day and night difference. I mean, you can easily see how, how much the same mash bill can vary. Absolutely. I just, I don't see, I don't know. My finger points to that. Maybe like a 23 year towards the end of pre-fire run and they just put M20 on it because that's the line they've always gone with. It's a great question. One that may never be answered by the likes of us. Oh, and the proof would fall in there too. Oh, 114. The proof would fall right into... Uh, That's strength, Heaven Hill. Your wheelhouse <laughs> of uh, Heaven Hills that you really have enjoyed. A little bit younger, though. A little bit younger? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you have no idea, right? Like, you're asking me this... I, I admittedly... I don't even want to talk like I know because I have no idea. Well, I just want to see if you have any speculations. You know, I think about 32 million things while we do this. I know, but it's got to be 33 and a third percent of, (laughs) you know, like my probability is 33 and a third percent out of one of three distilleries. There you have it then. So my my margin of error is 66.6%. Look at you doing math late night. Do what I can. So to, to not dodge the question on the uh, buy bar or pass, I think I would bar this at best. And if I was going to bar it, I don't think I would do it at the distillery, considering the recently released prices they had show Michter's 20-year Kentucky Straight Bourbon. And it doesn't say how much of a pour you get, but it says seven fifty. For a pour. For a pour. And that's as much as a bottle costs. If you want the 25-year bourbon, 900. 25-year rye, a grand. Celebration from 2016, 1,200. That's a pour. Yeah. I mean, can you bottle share the pour? (laughs) I mean, unless they're giving away a bottle as a pour, quote unquote. Um, Or even better, (laughs) you'll like this. The full range of Michter's releases. Enjoy pours however you like, whether neat, on the rocks, or as a highball with soda and a twist. You gonna get a seven hundred fifty dollar pour with a soda and a twist? I mean, if I was a millionaire, <laughs> I'd still punch you. <laughs> and then I'd order one on your card while you're laid out. <laughs> I had an old boss at the country club. They all, when he left early, and they all bought. McCallan 25 on his account. Oh, wow. And he, he showed up the next day. He said, I'll get you all a couple of drinks before we go. And everybody put the McCallan 25 on his account. Sheesh. <laughs> but I, I, would, I would say bar at a reasonable price. Um, if they have Heaven Hill 27 also on the, the, the roster there, I would compare prices. They're not exactly apples to apples, but you're looking at a uh, a hyper-aged whiskey, quote-unquote. I, I think the profiles are pretty similar having both of them. I would base it on that. I think that'd be the only thing, only way I could really gauge if it was worth it or not. I don't want to be negative, and this isn't being negative. This is just being realistic. I think this is a very good pour. I think there's a lot of complexity here. There's a lot of discussion. The nose is absolutely phenomenal. I think the price... There's older bourbons for less. There are, you know, Heaven Hill 27 was a 400 to $450 bottle. Yeah. There's older bourbons for less that I think are better 
And I think there are better bourbons for a heck of a lot cheaper. So when you think, like, that's just kind of where I sit. It's a good bourbon. I don't think it's worth $700. Yeah, so you got 750 mLs divided by 700, slightly over a dollar an mL. It's just not. So for a one ounce pour, that'd be 30 calls. What a bar is you double? So yeah. 60? 60 for an ounce. I would do that as a connoisseur. If you could find it for 60 an ounce, I'd absolutely do that. There's no way I would do it for 700 an ounce. You know, <laughs> 700 a pour. Thanks. I'll just take the bottle. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I'm going to, you know, at that point, just go buy it on secondary for two grand and you're going to get a heck of a lot more than you would have got at the bar. But it's one of those things where, is it a good whiskey? Yes. Are there ones that are in my wheelhouse a little bit more at better prices? Yes. So I would probably pass on it unless I were to find it at a bar at a reasonable cost. Yeah. I think 60 to 90 at a bar is fair. Yeah. But 90 would be the max for sure. But if you really want to try it and, and see how it was and it was an atmosphere where you could enjoy a, a nice ounce, I'd go for it. Again, that's just my opinion. Try it. See what you think. Anyways, go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Tricky Bourbon. Find us on Instagram at Dad's Tricky Bourbon. Twitter at Bourbon Dads. Join our Facebook group. Answer a couple questions. Come on in. It's a fun time. We'd love to have you. Please follow our podcast as you already are on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a five-star review. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? In Nashville, Tennessee, where we're thankful to have good friends that like to share some bottles at reasonable prices and ultimately allow us to review material like this where otherwise we most likely would not have been able to. Yeah, great pour just breaks the wallet. Yep. Cheers. Ciao. Ciao.